0: Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast.
1: Hello, I'm Fraser Allen. Welcome to episode 48. 27 years of working in banking, mainly in corporate banking, gave Graham McWilliam a taste for branching out on his own. And after a couple of successful entrepreneurial adventures, followed by spells back at RBS and Clydesdale, He took over the reins of a very unusual business. Glencraft is an Aberdeen based social enterprise founded in 1843 to provide dignity to the disadvantaged through work. The company had specialised in making mattresses for the oil industry but when Graham took over the price of oil had plummeted, orders had dried up and the business was in big trouble. However Graham saw an opportunity Glencraft had a royal warrant and a wealth of expertise. He has since transformed the business into serious players in the international luxury mattress market. It's a great story, well told by Graham, and will probably make you think about mattresses in a completely different light. The interview, which was recorded on Monday the 3rd of August 2020, starts in less than 45 seconds. But first, I'm delighted to welcome a new partner to this podcast series. A1 SEO. For many businesses doing well online, lockdown has actually contributed to healthy growth, but key to that growth has been ranking high in online searches. A1 SEO are search engine optimization specialists based in Glasgow who help businesses significantly increase their incoming web traffic. And Graham Grieve, the founder of A1 SEO, is now offering listeners to this podcast a free personalized 15 minute mini audit of your website. Simply drop him an email at graham at a1seo.digital with your website's URL and a couple of keywords that you want your business to be associated with. Graham McWilliam, good morning, how are you? Hi Fraser, I'm very well, yourself? I'm good thanks, I'm down in sunny
0: East Lothian today and i Believe you're up in Aberdeen. I'm in Aberdeen. I'm actually um, uh, calling in from the factory at Glencraft today. I had uh, a few presentations to the staff this morning, so good to be here. Good to be here. So you're an Aberdonian.
1: What was family life like, and what did you dream of, of doing for a career when you were growing up? Was it was it always was there always an inkling it was going to be finance, which is what you found yourself doing for the,
0: the first part of your career? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, my. Background is indeed financial, correct, Fraser? And I, I did a, an honours degree in um, financial services. Um, Aberdeen was, uh, was a good place to be, I guess, back. I uh, mean, I was born in the, the 60s. Um, and unfortunately, I, I guess my parents split uh, when I was probably six or seven years old. So I, I've got really fond memories after that because I was brought up uh, in a loving home with my uh, grandparents. Um, so my mum, uh, my mum went out to work. My uh, my dad had moved down to London, uh, and we didn't see him, of course. But uh, nevertheless, it was it was good times. I, I can only remember uh, playing around and uh, happy smiling faces, uh, and being well looked after by a, a caring set of grandparents. Um, in terms of a career, didn't really think about it too much, uh, like like most teenagers until push came to shove. I, I was. Pretty adept at technical drawing, and that led me to, to look at architecture as a, as a career. But then I found out it was a lot of hard work and study. Um, I think it was a, uh, a three or four year course initially. Um, and like most young lads at uh, 16, 17, I wanted to go and earn some money pretty quickly. Um, the, the background and the introduction to banking was from my, my mother's side. My mother worked for what was then TSB. Um, and uh, so she encouraged me to uh, to look at a career in banking. And that, that if I am going back to nineteen seventy seven, was when I started there, Fraser. Uh, and there was, I think, I had a choice of opportunities from uh, all of the major banks. So it just shows you how uh, how things can change. And you and you stayed at
1: you were at Lloyd's Bank for for twenty seven years and became an, an area manager. So you must have enjoyed
0: life within banking. What was the the appeal of it? I, I did enjoy it i think it was a very uh, a very good um, place to to learn um yeah you know, I, I i'd never real uh, intentions of looking after mrs smith's checkbook I, I was fortunate in my early career in the bank i got an opportunity to join the the audit team um, now that allowed me to travel the the country uh, throughout the uk just really assessing the risk that the bank and their corporate and business book. Um, so it, that sparked my interest in business, I think, because it was my, my boss at the time told me that, that doing this job, you'll you'll see how not to do it sometimes. Um, and that that then, uh, as I say, sparked my interest in, in business in general. It, it took me a long time to to step away from that, as you say, 27 years. So I, I'm not so sure I miss the industry, and it's been through all sorts of uh uh, ups and downs in that time. But I, I very much miss a lot of the people. I think there was uh, a lot of a lot of very good people. I think like everything else, Fraser, you only realise what a good skill set you have when you step out of that comfort zone, perhaps. Sure. Um, and uh, I was used to speaking to senior people at the bank, even from an early age. Um, and so sure. that, that helped with confidence levels. And I think... And I've always tried to say to, to my own family now is, is understanding figures and margins is, is really quite critical in business. So, but uh, I think the other appeal of banking at the time was uh, a word you don't hear too often in line with banking is stability and opportunities. It, it really was a career for life. And, and many of my friends, uh, fellow bankers, were there for 30, 35, 35 years or so. Uh, perhaps not a situation that we'll see repeated. And you then, you know, put the experience
1: that you'd gained from from banking and working with other businesses to, mm. for a switch of career, you became founding MD of an HR business called Empire. So what was the story behind
0: that? Yeah, you can imagine my mum's reaction when I told her I was leaving the <laughs> bank um, after 27 years. And indeed my wife, if you think about, you know, uh, <laughs> Salary, pensions, and, and all of that mm-hmm. thing. Um, so, giving all of that up uh, to go and start a, a new business. Um, the the precursor to that, I'd been asked by uh, a good contact of mine, an entrepreneurial chap. Um, he sat on a board that uh, he, he'd many business interests, and I was the bank's representation on one of those boards. So, we got to know each other fairly well over the years. Uh, Essentially, the the precursor to Empire was a a quality management business, and uh, this chap asked me to to come in and look after this company and and really try and and turn its fortunes around. So it was essentially quality management systems um, with a bit of health and safety in there. It was a bit of a mix, but it hadn't made money for about eight years or so. So really using the the skills that I had uh, uh, gained over those 27 years, it was quite a simple process, although looking back, it was a lot of hard work um, in hindsight, really just about increasing the the turnover and reducing the costs, Uh, nothing nothing much more uh, dramatic (laughs) than that. So uh, I wrote to all of the customers, we had a recurring income base of about 200 clients, and I wrote to them that, and just essentially said that with effect from a certain date, we would be increasing the day rate from such and such to such and such plus. And I think we lost three customers um, because at that time, quality management systems were quite uh, um, very favorable and, and a lot of companies were, were looking for that recognition and qualification, so to speak. So the, the income side was good. We, we kind of doubled that uh, over a few months and i cut the cost by closing an office of two which is not terribly entrepreneurial but needed done um just to to keep the costs the downside out of all of that we sold the business for um a six-figure sum having been loss making for the previous seven years but i pocketed none of that all of that went to the aforementioned uh, chairman um just at the end of that we added in an hr service and I took the opportunity to go and work for one of the, the, uh, the larger companies. Um, and again, it was really interesting, Fraser. They, I saw how not to do it. Um, they they decentralised the, the relationships, so they, they had a, a, a central helpline, if you like, this HR company. Um, what they did was provide HR consultancy. So for those companies that didn't have an HR resource, nor would have the capability of spending say fifty or sixty thousand pounds annually on an HR person. Um, we uh, we would give them that service so they could opt in and out. Um, you know, typically when they had issues, and they would subscribe to our service on a, 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 an ongoing basis. Um, so um, I, I worked there for about eighteen months, just travelling the, comp- the the length and breadth of the country again. And the relationship was really with Bank of Scotland at that time and and servicing their clients. So I I was probably the right person for that, giving the banking background and learning the trade at the same time. Um, Little did they know, I was just really trying to to work out how this business operated and then set up on our own, as I say, about 18 months later. Um, So... So that was just myself and one HR professional, and we we grew it to about 36 staff um, within about three, four years. Um, We also bought the aforementioned chairman out because he had a big stake in the business. So I said, well, I'm not falling for that again. We'll get you out as soon as we can. Thank you very much. Um, We bought another business uh, which complemented that particular business, the Empire and uh, we we bought a head office, so you can imagine it was a busy four year period. Um, literally, it was throwing back the duvet every day and you another day at work. It was it was really good fun, um, and we we grew it to be the. Wow. Mm. Yeah, I came out of it, but um, like like all <laughs> good relationships, they come to an end sometimes. And uh, without going into too much detail, so my business partner you, and I drifted business? apart. Um, I found I was doing an awful lot more work than I should have done, and he was going through a difficult uh, family time, I guess, um, and he wasn't able to commit to the business. So uh, we decided to part, and I stepped out of it. Um, that that was fine, I guess, in hindsight, although I, I took – I had 12 months off because I was given a uh, – you know, I had a restrictive covenant uh, where I wasn't allowed to do that type of thing again. So um, – That was when I got into my other love of uh, running. So I I started running about 11 years ago, and that just gave me some good time to think. And uh, it was a good time because we we, we did some other things. We had some family property interests. We got that sorted. And it was just a good time to get your head round, you know, uh, what happens next. Um, so so t- tell us about the running then I had a bit of time on my hands which was good um, Much to my wife's disgust <laughs> yeah. Well uh, she was busy um, uh, Building her own business uh, She's a self-employed accountant um, So yeah I had to get out of the house for sure I was given a big list uh, most days To uh, to work on um, So uh, yeah I got out and uh, just started I saw a start What really started it all Fraser was I saw a um, a stat somewhere that 1% of the world's population complete a marathon and I thought goodness me I want to be part of that 1% Mm -hmm. now it took me a wee while to get to marathon level but I I I just started um, heading along we're fortunate where we are in Aberdeenshire there's lots of nice countryside so there's the old uh, railway line which you can run for miles and miles by the way railway lines are not as flat as you, you might consider yes. um but I slowly built that up I entered a few 10ks and then got up to half marathon level and then uh, I'm fortunate enough to have done a, a few marathons now so that was that was really good and it's just my release I still try and run three times a week uh, if I can and get a longer run done at the weekend it's it's one of the few things I can do with my daughters I have two grown-up daughters Right. And uh, the bad news is, of course, that they are getting faster and my friends are getting slower. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, yeah. I,
1: know, I know the feeling. So, Graham, after this, you, you switched back to banking. Uh, so you went back, you, you, well, you went to RBS. Uh, so what prompted that? And, and it was a strange time to be working
0: there with the, the challenges that, that RBS faced. Timing, I guess, wasn't great. It was the start of the financial crisis. <laughs> so banking was a bit of a revolving door at that point and I can only remember many many people going out the way and uh, I was the only one that seemed to be going back into banking um, but they needed some good experienced people because they had lost some uh, some good good uh, bankers of course and trying to rebuild the the corporate book for the Royal Bank in, in North East Scotland was was a bit of a challenge and um, but one I was happy to, to try and embrace. Part two of the interview
1: continues in 25 seconds time. Do you need a communications expert to help you with your marketing, brand storytelling or strategic content? Find out what I, Fraser Allen, can provide at www.allencoms.co.uk That's Allen with two L's and an E and comms with two M's. Stint at the Clydesdale followed, but then in 2015 you made a what seems like a very big and and wise decision, as it's turned out, and you took over the reins at Glencraft, which is a, a luxury mattress specialist business that supplied four generations of the royal family and has been been around for a long time. Uh, so. Tell us about this. How did this all come come about?
0: Yeah, I think the, the the move to Clydesdale first of all. You know, you know, you've made a mistake. It was really, and again, there were some wonderful people there. But I, I knew realistically when I, I went uh, or halfway through my short career at RBS that I didn't really want to be back in finance because it was um, it was very structured. And having had a, a taste of some some of that entrepreneurial journey, I. Uh, I I didn't take too well to to being almost not quite micromanaged, but it was very, very structured. And, uh, you know, your your day was set out for you almost. Uh, And then I was, Clydesdale, I I made the mistake of going for um, just a simple pay rise. um, Rather than admitting to myself that I didn't really want to be there. So I I stepped out of that. Um, I got an approach from the uh, current chairman, uh, Duncan Skinner. Duncan is a wonderful man and well-known in, in this part of the world having forged a great career in oil and gas business with uh, Bob Keeler. Uh, Bob and Duncan worked together. Mm-hmm. Duncan was his finance background and we, we had it off pretty pretty well. Um, long, long story, there was a, a number of meetings, but uh, over the course of those meetings, Duncan persuaded me to to come in and uh, take over at Glencraft. Uh, on the 1st of April 2015, now the the 1st of April is never really a good day to start anything. <laughs> um, but it was it was a real challenge. Uh, it had been it, it was founded in 1843 uh, as a, a social enterprise to provide uh, dignity through work to disadvantaged people and primarily uh, it was known at that time Fraser as the Royal Asylum for the Blind which just shows you how protocol has changed. Um, um, but um, it Back in the the eighteen mid eighteen hundreds, it employed about three hundred people. Um, so there was a a crash and and schooling for children. Uh, otherwise, these people would uh, they they would just be cast aside. Mm. Um, so a fund was set up back in the uh, twenty years before that to to establish uh, a working place for for these type of individuals. And I'm really privileged to be here today. It's it's uh, it's a real honour uh, on my. Business card. I have the. Uh, uh, I'm just looking after it. Is basically what I'm seeing So um, I'm. <laughs> it's it's not a director's role. It's just a, a custodian, so to speak. So I want to pass it on to the next person and make sure it's in good hands. the um, The luxury mattress side just came uh, as a result of a, another crisis. Um, you'll be thinking my career was. Uh, with crisis as we go but um, uh, in 2015 the, the North East suffered another setback in oil and gas and, and it's 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 very much tied into that, the economy up here um, oil it hit an all time low I guess of about $15 or so at that time and because of Duncan's involvement and his background in oil and gas, Glencraft had been um very efficient in securing work for that offshore sector. And indeed, two-thirds of the oil rigs in the North Sea had Glencraft mattresses on them. Now, that's all very well until the the oil crash. And then, of course, these clients don't spend anything. So I think at that time, when I took over, we had about 70% of our income was coming from oil and gas, which wasn't terribly healthy. And uh, we were starting to, to hemorrhage cash um, in my first year. I, I should go back, and that breakfast, the day I started, was uh, with my wife, and we we're chatting about the challenge of looking after Glencraft. Mm. And now I'd never run a social enterprise. I'd never run a manufacturing company, so it was a real test. And, uh, of course, my wife had been looking at the website uh, over the previous weekend and said, listen, do you realize that company has been on the go for 170 years? And I says, yeah, I do. It's it, it's it's really interesting. It's it's a wonderful story. And she leant across uh, over the newspaper and said, um, don't mess it up as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, uh, nothing like a, a vote of confidence. But I'm, so I'm still here today, five years later, still trying not to mess it up. Um, the, the, the move into luxury was prompted by a change in the market. Uh, towards the end of 2015, um, we had some real difficulties with cash flow because of the aforementioned drop in, in the turnover, Fraser. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there was a lot of new entrants into the uh, the mattress market. Right. You know, I'm looking at uh, people like Simba, um, Eve, all of these kind of uh, companies that emerged. So mattresses in a box. So for busy, busy professionals... Mm-hmm. Like yourself, you would order one online. The postman or a courier would deliver this mattress to you two or three days later. You would open it up; it was uh, shrink wrapped, and uh, within six hours, you had a mattress, a full-size mattress that you could use. Now, Simba, to be fair, were the market leaders. I think they got their turnover to sixty odd million in the first three years. So, a huge, um, a huge upturn, uh, and 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 much more competition suddenly. Um the, the mattress market and the ancillaries are worth about £3 billion a year in the UK, so it's a huge market. But um, we had to try and differentiate ourselves, and uh, moving into uh, a more luxury uh, unit was, was probably the best way to do that. So if I think if you're brave enough to pop your head above the parapet and, and go up the way rather than race to the bottom price-wise, it's it's. over the years that that's that's been the right thing to do Um, I think if you tie that in with the story we have, uh, the fact that our mattresses are made by disadvantaged people, indeed we've got uh, one chap who makes mattresses by touch, he's he's in no sight at all Um, he's been with us 30 odd years and just great to see and I I took the the risk of changing the branding to reflect the Royal Warrant uh, and the fact that we'd We'd held this for a number of years, so yeah. I mean, how did the the Royal warrant come up, up,
1: about? Because obviously, that's a huge advantage in the. the luxury market. It is. It
0: is. Um, I almost found out by accident. You know, I was I was sitting in my early days at Glencraft. I, I would sit the the team down and try and. Trying. You could see lots of um, doubting glances. You know, who's this guy coming in? X finance and and one of my senior staff said to me, I don't know what you're doing here, you've never made a mattress. And that was that was a true quote. And I said, Well, thank you for that. I'm sure that was meant to come out like uh, welcome to Glencraft. I hope you can help us. You know, but um, but there was that element of doubt and you could see that in some of the, 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 the team. I, I think the difficulties that Glencraft had is they, they'd been run and I don't mean to be disparaging here, but they've been run by the council for many, many years. So there was a bit of, a bit of attitude that needed changing. Um, And the, the council in Aberdeen here had been good enough to support it through financial grants for many, many years. And these grants were significant, you know, half a million pounds plus annually. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm almost pleased to say now that we don't get anything at all from, uh, from the council but we have grants a, we're a standalone company now. But, um, it was looking at the strengths that Glencraft had, and during one of the brainstorming sessions, it uh, it almost came as a surprise when somebody said, well, listen, we've got this Royal Warrant Award. I said, well, tell me more about that, because it wasn't really obvious. Right. Um, so the certificate was produced, and it really is an application process, but you have to have a, a, a very good product. And we were fortunate that we'd supplied four generations of the royal family through their... Uh, uh, their stays at Balmoral Castle uh, and that's extended that uh, we, we do much more for them now um, but uh, I, I'm glad to say as well Fraser in the last couple of years we had a another application um, approved for Royal Warrant uh, Association and that's gone on for five years, the longest you can have that awarded so um, so it's, it's not uh, a gimme by any means, you have to Justify what you're doing. In fact, it's it's very clear now that Prince Charles has a big say in what's going on because the questionnaire, uh, when I last completed it two years ago, it was about 25 pages, perhaps, and maybe 20 attachments. It was all about, um, you know, the uh, the economies of the business, and uh, you know, tell me how you save fuel. Um, are you using more fuel than last year? If so, what are you are doing about it? Are you using solar panels? Tell me about your factory, that type of thing. Where do your materials come from? Are they from a sustainable source? So you can see the way that's all going, you know, but uh, but you're right, it, it absolutely uh, seemed a great marketing opportunity within some pretty heavy restraints because there are some real um Guidelines that you must adhere to when you're dealing with the Royal Warrant logo, you know. So, um, but uh, and that's that's been proven to be very popular with our, uh, our our clients abroad now, in Asia in particular. They they love that. So, um, so yeah, move a move to luxury was was the way forward for us, and and we started with one model, um, and uh, we've we've moved into five luxury models now. Uh, we, we still do. We still do a range of what we refer to as classic mattresses, but by and large, we, we focus on the, the higher end now. And what's the the financial
1: uh, health of the, the business like?
0: We've, we've still got a long way to go. Um, I, I, I won't hide behind that. Uh, my, my remit to Duncan uh, when I joined in 2015 was that I would leave it in better shape than I found it. And, uh, and I wanted to be stable and here for the next 177 years, of course. Mm. So, um, But I think the contracts that we've won, we have a, a 10-year contract to supply uh, a wholesale company in China, a distribution company in China. And uh, that's that's given us a bit of stability, <laughs> notwithstanding the current crisis, of course, which has affected mm. all of us. Um, yeah, I mean, how, how has it affected Glencraft? Yeah, we um with the team meeting this morning was just focusing around that uh, we we're, we're finding some of the materials hard to come by now. Um you know, it's it's there are very few suppliers of the type of natural material that we use, for instance, horsehair, mohair, cashmere uh, to mention a few. And uh, you're you're really at the mercy of these guys delivering on time. Of course, they've went through the same situation and difficulties that we have, so they haven't got the the full number of staff back, perhaps, or the raw materials are hard to come by, and therefore a, a delivery of ten days suddenly becomes three, four, five weeks, wow. um, and that has a knock-on effect, particularly if you're trying to meet shipping deadlines, um, which is a, a bit of a challenge. So, so yeah, we um, it's it's still a work in progress, the, the financial situation, but uh, it's improving as we go, and pleased to see
1: so. So from what you've learned over the, the past three three or four years, um, would you have any advice for anybody thinking of launching a, a social enterprise of their own?
0: Yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's a very good question, Fraser. I think if you're able to adopt a trading model, I think the, the, the dignity through work situation works pretty well. I think if you talk to many of the forty staff that we have now, Um, A lot of them have real pride in what they do and a focus. Um, I've moved away from what I call the can-rattling scenario, but we are a registered charity too, as well as a social enterprise. And I think if you're fortunate to have a product that you can focus on and uh, and there's something really satisfying, having worked in the service industry for a long time, about having an end product. So if, if there is something that you can produce and satisfy a need for, Together with a good background story, if you are employing disadvantaged people, then it's uh, it's got to be a good start. So um, that that uh, would maybe be a good a good bit of focus. I would right. suggest so. Yeah, I, I don't Same. want anybody to come to Glencraft and buy. I don't want what I refer to as a sympathy sale. Ah. Um, you know, nor do I want people to come to Glencraft because their mother and their granny bought, and, and that's all good, of course but i want glencraft to be recognized as a leading brand and to have simply the best mattresses available in the market at a competitive so it, price so what makes a glencraft mattress so good but the people is the the honest answer the the fact that they're all hand finished uh, every single mattress that leaves their factory is is uh, handcrafted and hand finished but the the materials are are clearly key in that too we we focus now on natural materials, Fraser. Um, so things like horsehair. Horsehair has been used in mattresses for many, many centuries, and it's getting back to those uh, high standards again. Where um, and there's there's many videos on YouTube. In fact, if you look at the Glencraft uh, website, you'll you'll see many of these videos about the uh, the skills that are used. But traditionally, horsehair would have been taken out of a mattress, cleaned and put back in again many, many years ago. Uh, and that still goes on in some countries. Um, so uh, hair and these natural materials are very good. The, the reason people don't sleep is because, by and large, most people overheat. Um, right. You know, so I'm the guy that's always looking for the cold bit of the pillow, that type of thing. Turning it over. <laughs> and and it's the, the sad fact is that we all lose about a... Uh, a glass or so of perspiration each night. Now, that goes into right. your mattress through the bedding. Right. Um, the oh, natural I materials, I it is a horrible thought. Yes, it's a good reason for never buying a second-hand mattress too. So. <laughs> 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 but um, those natural materials that I've described, Fraser, they're, they're open-celled and hollow, and they wick the moisture away that we all lose all right. through right. the vents in the side of the mattress. So each Glencraft luxury mattress has 16 vents. Um so that, that's the secret there. So um, the, the, the moisture heads into the mattress and then gets dispersed as we move through the, the night. And uh, the, the fibre then does the job.
1: Uh, Graeme, you've, you've had a quite an unusual career in the way it's been structured. So if you were to be able to go back in time and offer a little bit of advice to the young Graham William
0: setting off on his career, what would it be? Oh, another good question. I, I think... Um, don't be afraid to embrace change. I think it, it took me 27 years to realise that there's a whole big world out there. And I, I'm not saying I would do the, the first 27 years exactly the same again. I would probably embrace that change a bit earlier and step out of that comfort zone. I think probably the current climate has, uh you know, will we see 20, 30-year careers again is probably unlikely. Um, I'm not sure my daughters think the same way that I did when i joined the bank in 1977 um you know they 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 would perhaps see uh, th- their career mapping out in different ways now so um, I would think just embrace that change earlier and if you can step out of that comfort zone i think my my first chairman that entrepreneurial chap that I talked about he he always said to me never look back and think, what if? I think that's always stuck with me, is is never have any regrets or look back and think, well, what would have happened had I done that? And I I just wish perhaps that I'd done this or started this journey just a bit earlier um, because we've still got lots to do and uh, less time to do it now. (laughs) But at least you did start it. That's that's the main thing. I'm going to
1: finish with five quick questions for you. So are you
0: a night owl or an early riser very much an early riser early bed or two um, ten o'clock ish and then up by six o'clock yeah for a run probably yeah not always but yeah if okay. I can yeah
1: where is the most luxurious place that you've spent the night
0: Ooh, um fortunately to have stayed in uh, many lovely uh, establishments over the years particularly of late I guess um, with our clients um, two, if I can mention two Fraser, um, yep. uh, Villa Kennedy in Frankfurt, Villa Kennedy is owned by uh, Rocco Forte Luxury Group and uh, you, you'll not be surprised to hear that they have Glencraft Luxury mattresses in there. Um, it was called Villa Kennedy because it was frequented by uh, the late President John F. Kennedy and uh, simply wonderful, the, the level of standard uh, and, and service is, is just phenomenal. The other one I must mention and uh, must recommend is the Five Farms in Brimar. Um, mm-hmm. We, uh, My wife Linda and I stayed there uh, back in March, just before the week before lockdown, which seems an inordinate amount of time ago. But uh, there's something like 14,000 historic artefacts in the Five Farms in Brimar now. It's been bought by a, a Swiss art dealer and there is a, um, an original Picasso hanging in one of the public rooms. So, uh, But the rooms are great, and again, they have our mattresses, of course, so why wouldn't I want to be there? What did you have for breakfast today? Um, pretty much a guy of routine when it comes to that. Uh, yeah, good old running fuel, so porridge with some uh, sultanas and a bit of maple syrup over the top. Very healthy. Yeah. Um, the
1: first record you ever bought
0: that got me thinking, I think, and I'm probably showing me, I'm not sure I bought this, but it was one I played relentlessly. My uh, grandmother had an old record player and my mother had the single from Herman's Hermits, which was, I'm into something good, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah, that one. We'll be yeah. singing that all day now, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, And mm-hmm. finally, your favourite place in the world? Ooh, yeah. Um, Difficult choice. We're we're fortunate. We have a a family home, a holiday home in uh, France, north of Bordeaux, and a a little tiny uh, hamlet called Picage. and uh, we just don't have enough time to spend out there. But uh, as uh, the girls grow up and uh, hopefully grandchildren come along, I could see myself spending more and more time in this hamlet, enjoying the, the wonderful weather of southwest France and the stunning views that the property has. Graeme William, it's been fantastic to hear your story. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you, Fraser. enjoyed that. Thank you. Thanks very much to Graham, an astute businessman running a wonderful social enterprise. Although thanks to him, I did have a Herman's Hermit's earworm in my head for the rest of the day. We'll be back again in two weeks.
0: To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.